Lent is a time of sacrifices, right? We give up eating chocolate or drinking alcohol. Maybe some of you are making larger sacrifices, waking up an hour earlier each day or really fasting, maybe just drinking water once a week. Some of you may be taking only cold showers. We understand the sacrifice is good for us. It teaches us self-restraint and brings us closer to all those who are not as fortunate as we are. Plus, if you're not eating, what are you doing with all that extra time? Maybe you're spending that time in prayer. Maybe that's why you're waking up an hour earlier, so you can pray. And so, when I heard calls in the news that we should end our dependence on Russian oil and gas exports, I wondered if this could be another opportunity for sacrifice. Surely, if I am paying twice as much for gas at the pump, my sacrifice is much smaller than the sacrifice that Ukrainians are having to make. But maybe oil and gas companies also have to make a sacrifice, not make as much profit or take a loss so that people who have to drive are not gouged at the pumps. But higher gas prices also mean more expensive groceries, and that will only affect those who can't afford groceries. So maybe we, you and I, who can, have to step up our food bank game. Can we give more this year? Can we drive less? Can companies sacrifice having their employees in the office so that they can save on gas? What sacrifices are we being asked to make in solidarity with the people of Ukraine? These measures will affect all of us here in North America, and for some, they will be dire. But those of us who can, let's be willing to sacrifice a little in the hopes that the situation in Europe won't last forever. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro, and sitting here with me is Mark Matthews. Mark, good day. Always a pleasure to be here. It's it's good. It's good. Uh, how are you doing with your? Uh, how's Lent for you? It's you've. I mean, it's amazing that we're already in the second week. You know, I can. I, if I said it's off to a good start, I mean that sounds a little strange to say, but yes, I, it's my Lent. It's a good Lent so far in the sense that I feel like I'm embracing some of the suffering there's some years where I just feel like I'm being a total right. wuss. Yeah. yeah. This year I've got maybe a little bit of grace to kind of help. Yeah. Me out, so how are people, what are people in California saying about what's happening in Ukraine? Oh man. Uh, I think probably it seems like it's pretty much alignment with everything else I'm seeing in the media, like lots of protests against it here. So, you know, nobody wants it. Nobody wants the war in no. Ukraine. So how, how high are your gas prices? How's that affecting oh, you? Oh, <laughs> I think they're up to, I've heard rumors of them going up to $7 a gallon in some wow. parts of the city. Yeah. So, so it's twice as, it's same here. It's like, it's doubled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Well, that's, a... I, I, I personally don't mind paying higher gas if it's puts the screws on Putin. I was just going to so... say, in fact, that's, yeah, I agree. That's what my opening commentary uh, was about. Mm. Um, mm. That how that is. So a lot of us can make that sacrifice and maybe and yes. it is a sacrifice. And if we do it yeah. knowing that it is a sacrifice, then uh, then if it puts the screws and, and, and brings this to a to a to a close sooner. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's tough, man. It's going to affect a lot of little people. Oh, yeah, for sure. Anyway, today, uh, Ben, Ben is going to be back to, uh, with his uh, political uh, segment, uh, A Taste for the Common Good. And in fact, he's going to be talking about war and uh, the Catholic teaching on war and violence. Um, 
I'm, I'm wondering if he's going to say that the church would say that in this case, you know, this defense mm. is oh, yeah. justified. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so looking forward to see what Ben has to say. That's going to be in about five minutes. And then you're on, Mark. What are we going to talk about in what's what good in Hollywood? About- what's good in Hollywood? What's good in yeah, tech? What's what are good- we talking Good and holiday. Actually, a little bit of a war connection there, too. I'm going to talk about a film, a documentary film called Three Songs for Benazir, uh, which was shot okay. in war-torn Afghanistan. So uh, and offers a very candid portrait of life in Afghanistan. So but some interesting connections I'm going to talk about with documentary filmmaking in general. Okay, looking forward to that. So that's in about 15 minutes with Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary. And then, Mark, have you... Hmm, I don't know what what's the best question here to to ask you. Are you are you a generous Catholic donor? I try to be. I try to be a generous Catholic donor. Okay, but you wouldn't think of yourself as like a philanthropist. No, no, that is not a title I apply to myself. <laughs> Someday, re- perhaps, when I become independently wealthy. That that might require a little more, a, a better salary for you. Um, yeah, I'm working so, towards it. So, but 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 you know that the church. I mean, the church would not be able to do half as much as what the church has been able to do had it not been because of generous Catholic philanthropists, mm, mm-hmm. right? Yes, um, absolutely. And there's some famous ones. I mean, you maybe have heard of St. Catherine Drexel. I think her feast day was mm, yes. recently. She was a wealthy uh, uh, woman and, and she was able to donate. I don't know if you've heard about Danny Thomas. Um, I think so, yes. Catholic philanthropist. Babe Ruth. Apparently, uh, was one as well. He's Catholic. Really? He was a, a Knight of Columbus and 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 quite uh, generous with 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 the uh, initiatives that he supported. Anyway, how do I know all this? You're wondering. Are you wondering how do I? How, know how do you know this, Deacon? Because Pedro? there's a new podcast that's called Holy Donors, hmm. and it tells the stories of all these Catholic philanthropists and 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 men and women who supported Catholic initiatives. Uh, over the centuries. Um, and uh, so today we're going to be speaking with Andrew Robinson. He is one of the hosts of the podcast and also the president of Petrus Development, who who are the, is the company that creates the podcast. And uh, hey, it's inspiring stories and maybe it'll inspire people like you to be, <laughs> to be more radically generous, Mark. Hey, maybe. It's true. It's a special calling of being rich for God. <laughs> and I joke about it, but it, it actually, it really is a special calling. It's not my calling. Maybe someday. It is. But, and that's what we all pray for. Very important. Like, God, make me rich so that I can support the church. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Fam- yeah. Anyways, Famous last words. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I'm, I'm looking, for, I mean, the stories are fascinating. So I'm looking forward to talking to Andrew Robson uh, in about 25 minutes about his podcast, Holy Donors. And uh, then after that, we're going to be reconnecting with one of my favorite Catholic artists, Marie Miller. Um, she's, uh, she's so good and so talented. She's been on this show many, many times, uh, and she's working on a new album. Now, we know that the last couple of years have been very, very difficult for all artists, all musicians. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just been dry, but a lot of them have been taking the time to, to retreat and, mm-hmm. and, and write. So uh, I'm looking forward to reconnecting with Marie Miller to see what she's been up to in the last these two years and to hopefully tell us a little bit about the music. There's nothing that we can play that's new yet for her, but uh, she certainly will tell us a little bit about what's coming down the pipes. So that's going to be in about 40 minutes, a featured chat with Marie Miller. And a reminder, if you're not going to be around for that, 
You can always go to our website, slmedia.org, and you can listen to the full program there. And in fact, you can listen to all our programs there. But if you don't want to do that, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and then just have the show delivered straight to your phone. Because that is like a technical digital thing that Mark Matthews knows all about. It's just the thing. Nobody listens to us live anymore. It's all delayed. It's all recorded. It's all on podcasts. It's all about control. (laughs) Yeah, you could say control for sure. It's all about control. But anyway. we are alive. We're, we are alive, even though we're not live. Oh, I like that. I like that. Coming to you alive <laughs> from California. Yeah. Mark Matthews. Not, not live, but alive. That, that would be a good kind of motto for a show. Let's keep that. Let's not tell any of our listeners. Nobody looks to this idea. <laughs> it's our top okay. secret motto. Talk, Don't top tell secret anyone. motto. Okay. Anyway, so all that's coming up. I hope people can stick around and listen to the whole show. So let's start with the song. Here's Marie Miller with Sweet Baby James by James Taylor. There is a young cowboy who lives on the range. His horse and his cattle are his only companions He works in the saddle and he sleeps in the canyons Waiting for summer, his pastures to change And as the moon rises, he sits by his fire Thinking about a women in glasses of beer And closing his eyes as the doggies retire He sings of a song that is soft but it's clear As if maybe someone could hear Good night, you moonlight ladies rock and sweet baby Jane Deep greens and blues are the colors I choose Won't you let me go down in my dreams And rock by sweet baby James Now the first of December was covered with snow And so was the turnpike from Stockton to Boston With ten miles behind me and ten thousand more to go. There's a song that they sing when they take to the highway. A song that they sing when they take to the sea. A song that they sing of their home in the sky. Maybe you can believe it if it helps you to sleep. Good night, you moonlight ladies. Rock by sweet baby James. Deep greens and blues are the colors I choose. Won't you let me go down in my dreams? And rock by sweet baby James.
That was Marie Miller with a cover of James Taylor's Sweet Baby James. And we're going to be speaking with Marie Miller in about 35 minutes. So I hope that you'll still be around for that. If not, you can visit us at eslmedia.org slash podcast, where you can listen to all our programs. And now it's time for... A Taste for the Common Good with Ben Boivin. Ben, welcome back. It's good to see you. Hey, it's good to see you, Pedro. Thank you. So I, I think that it's it's fair to say that most people know what's happening in Ukraine. There's a war going on. But w- what is really going on in Ukraine? What would you say? Yeah, I think you're right that most people, I think, have a sense of what is going on. But, but a way that is useful for us to understand what's happening, I think, is to see this as a, an international conflict. Okay. as a conflict that has international roots, so to speak. Like we have Russia, which used to be, many people will remember, a, a Soviet empire, a big yep. country with a big sphere of influence. And on the other hand, we had the United States with its own sphere of influence with NATO and the European Union and things like that. And so Ukraine, as a result of the collapse of the Soviet Union, became this gray area, so to speak, where obviously Russia still thinks still think that it has you know legitimacy in in the controlling the area but on the other hand the united states and european union and and the nato they also think that they actually should be involved in this area and for a couple of years actually they tried to bring the bring ukraine back into the western sphere mm-hmm. of influence and they actually were thinking during a certain amount of times of bringing ukraine into nato mm-hmm. which was which was very frustrating for the russians because they were they were of the view that if this were to happen, they would be in competition with the United right. States backs again. So what, what, what the heuristic to really understand what is going on is actually a great power struggle between the West on the one hand and Russia on the other. And obviously, in, in recent years, we came to understand that actually the United States and, and Europe were not really that much involved into it. And when they realized that it, it it could be difficult, and actually, that a war could re- could result that could happen as a result of this. They sort of decided to pull back, and that's what we see now. Ukraine yes. was led into thinking that they were to be welcomed into yes. the Western Hemisphere, but that's not really what happened. And because the Russians felt so threatened by this, they decided to to go ahead and invade Ukraine to yeah. bring it back more formally and in, into the their own sphere of influence. Right, and that that makes sense because I think when when the invasion the war started. Uh, 10, 12 days ago, I think a lot of people were wondering, like, what, what is this, you know, the, 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 you know, Vladimir Putin, what is he thinking? And why is this so important? But I so I think that that really clarifies things. So would you say that what is at stake is much bigger than what we're seeing in the news? Really- yeah, I, I think, I think that that is the case. Although, I think it's fair to say that as a result of what we've seen happening, because at the end of the day, you know, the West had decided to go ahead with economic sanctions and, and stuff like that. But what we've seen happening is that the West has decided globally not to get involved militarily into this because, you know, what it shows is that uh, collectively we don't think of Ukraine as a strategic, uh, as a, such right. an important thing for us to defend that right. we would be able to get into a war full-out war with with russia right it's not cuba um so (laughs) so i I think that so there's a lot of conversations about people you know blaming it on on this particular person the you know vladimir putin 
and 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 how evil he is and 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 trying to justify why would uh, you know one country invade another country without any you know regard for for human life is this part of our human nature to do whatever we want to do to get whatever we want to fulfill our own wishes to invade another country and killing people and 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 creating war is that something that's just part of who we are as human beings yeah i think many people would say that and i also think that that's right what you what you're saying that many people would blame this on the particular person of vladimir putin i think this is a very unsophisticated way of thinking about what's going on actually i i think it's fair to say that much of the blame for what is happening is actually to put on the structure of power which we have come to accept the way in which we think of you know human nature and the way this this is this is reflected in the ways in which political communities such as the US and Russia will interact with each other so since we actually kind of believe that we are violent creatures and that we sort of accept that we are violent and this is part of our nature we are not surprised by this but actually what the church teaches and has been teaching throughout centuries is that it is not true we are not violent creatures by nature by nature we are good by nature we are good good creatures we are the creatures of god we are made into his image and what explains many of the difficulties of this sort that we've went through throughout the centuries and the millenniums is that although we are good we are in a very profound way we are injured by sin by original sin mm-hmm. and that i think is the key the the key element to understand why it is that we so often get involved into violent uh, situations, although we know deep down that this is not what we're called to. So it is not true, I think, to say that men and women are naturally violent. But I think it's true to say that as a result of sin, we are prone to to violence. And, and And we also should think about the fact that, you know, with the victory of Jesus Christ, with, it, with his incarnation and, and his accomplishment, we live now in a different world and we, we can ask God for help. And that, that is why the church asks us to pray for peace, to right. fast for peace. There's something to be done, so to speak. Yeah, of course. Is that why I think a lot of our listeners will be familiar with the just war theory that the Catholic Church does say that war could be acceptable? Is is that why? Because the church recognizes that our nature is fallen and that there may be situations where violence can be justified? Yeah, I think that is why that is why we have a just war theory. So, yeah, of, of course, men without the fall wouldn't be involved in such things as war. And after the incarnation, we are help in many ways to avoid such wars as we were not before but still there arise situations where we sort of are we're stuck in a situation where we have to deal with violent confrontations you know ukrainian people right now they are being attacked whatever you say whatever you think you might not like the fact that there is war but still there is and it is true that the church has been teaching for many centuries now that certain situations warrant for war there are very specific actually criteria as for what a just war is and uh, you know obviously the war from the point of view of russia would not would not be uh, described as a just war but many people could say and argue that Ukraine defending itself now is is fighting a just war. 
Right. Although we could get into the nitty gritty of these criteria and, and, you know, think about that in a very specific way. But yes, the church teaches that that war can sometimes be justified. And it, it always it all it almost always is rooted in, in the fact that sin persists, that it, it remains part of our experience until the kingdom. Right. Mm hmm. Very interesting. Um, I, I think we we need to leave it there, Ben. But I, but I'm going to say that if people are interested in learning more, you actually wrote a really wonderful blog post that people can find at slmedia.org/blog, titled "Is War in Our Nature: Catholic Teaching on War and Violence." And you outline a little bit about uh, the uh, the just war theory, um, and and also provide some resources there. Um, ben, thank you for uh, explaining this to us a little bit. I know that this war is in, in a lot of people's minds and hearts and, uh, and prayers as well. So thank you for helping us. Sometimes understanding a little better gives us a little more comfort. comfort and It's always a pleasure, Pedro. Thank you so much. Yes. Ben Boivin is an associate producer here at Essel Media and our resident political junkie. You can follow him at Benjamin Boivin. Coming up is What's Good in Hollywood with Mark Matthews, so stay tuned. Hi, I'm Francesca La Rosa, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can email me, Pedro, at slmedia.org. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Deacon Pedro. And now it's time for What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Mark, so there's there's actually something good coming out of Hollywood. I be believe it or not, there actually <laughs> is. There's one good thing. Just one documentary. That's just, it. Just one documentary. That's it. Nothing else. Nothing else good happening in Hollywood. No, this is this is one of the many good things that is happening in in Hollywood. And I mentioned in the intro, but it's a documentary called Three Songs for Benazir. And it was actually produced and directed by a friend of mine, Elizabeth Mirze, and her husband, Gulistan. And it just had the ridiculous honor of being Oscar nominated. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. We're so, we're so excited for her. So she's going to have like, you know, designers begging her to wear their million dollar dresses on the red carpet, you know? So wonderful. Wonderful. So, so tell us about this documentary. So it's a, a beautiful, it's a short documentary, 22 minutes long, that follows the life of a young couple in Afghanistan. Okay. And it's a truly candid portrait of what life there is like. Um, it's on Netflix. You can watch it now if you have a subscription to Netflix. So go home and check it out. And I if will. you are a voting member of the Academy, I'm not. Please... <laughs> <laughs> what? I thought you got your membership. So please, please, please vote for it. So, um, but but I yeah I had the I had the honor of being able to give some notes on it on early cuts of the film. Okay. And so we got to see it very you know early on midway in the production process. And and actually, if you look for my name, you'll see it there under special under special thanks. So okay, yeah. I will. I always look. Goes. I always read the read the credits of films. So I'll look for your cool. name. Sure. Yeah, look 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 for me. Um, but but it gave me a, a really good appreciate. 
gave me an appreciation for what a difficult process documentary filmmaking is. Yeah. And so in fiction, you know, you control everything. You control every shot, every action, every word. But in documentary filmmaking, it has to be true. Yeah. You just film stuff and, and pray to God that you can find a story in it somehow. Yeah, yeah. You, you have to find the story. And so it was, it was interesting seeing this early cut because you're kind of like, okay, well, what is the, you know, the storyline, you know, we're sort of trying to latch onto and, and follow through. So, uh, and, and, and so it's, it's, it's not easy. It's, it's a difficult process. Um, but it got me thinking, and this was kind of a joke uh, initially. I was like, "Yeah, well, I'm like, what if I had a film crew follow me around? Well, you know, what would the what would the documentary of Mark's life be? You know, would it be an action adventure, uh, rags to riches, uh, a crime drama? You know, drug addict recovery? You know, well, okay, I didn't know that yeah. part of your life. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Completely, yeah, no, nothing like that. In fact, my life would probably be pretty boring. I don't have many documentary filmmakers begging me to follow me around and make make a story about my life. Um, but as I as I it started off as a joke, but as I kind of mulled on this question, I said, "I'm like, oh, there's kind of more to this," and mm. and it had me thinking. Well, what do the saints up in heaven see? when they watch our lives. Hmm. Isn't that sort of a, of, of documentary? Like I imagine, I like to, I don't, I don't know the theological implications of this, but I like to imagine that they can, you know, God gives them visibility into everything that's going on in our lives. Mm -hmm. So it is kind of like, you know, reality TV for the saints. Um, and so it's kind of like, well, how would there be a story in my life somewhere? How would they right. find the story? Yeah. And it got me thinking like, well, what really is a story? What draws us into either fiction or, or a nonfiction? And there's a common element to every story. And it always has two components. The first is that the protagonist always has a choice to either turn towards God or away from God. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't always have to be explicitly God, but it can be God's truth, you know, mm -hmm. or grace or goodness. Mm -hmm. And and there's always a choice. Does, does the protagonist turn towards goodness or does he turn away from goodness? And secondly, in that story, we always need to see the results of that choice mm -hmm. of, of what happened if they turned towards God, you know, were they rewarded with life? Or if they turned away from him, you know, did he suffer destruction? Um, and, and the exact details of, you know, what that turn towards it is and what the results of that are. Right. You know, that's always the interesting part. And that's, you know, where we apply our, our Catholic theology. But that is always the pattern. And you see this even in Christ's parables, um, that the prodigal son turns towards the father mm -hmm. and he's rewarded with a feast with the fatted calf. Um, the rich man turns away from charity towards Lazarus, and in the end, he burns in hell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so there's always that choice and a response to that choice. And and we, we are given that we all face choices every day to either turn towards God or away from God, there's always a story going on in our lives. Right. And the saints, the saints in heaven will will see this all. And so, you know, just think of it. They could be making little mini small documentaries every day about all the little choices that, that we're making. And usually the stories that we watch, you know, on the big screen tend to be the larger, more iconic choices. You know, who doesn't like to, you know, watch 
Chris Evans, you know, battle for the fate of the world, you know, as Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm into, I'm into Marvel. Are I you love, in the Marvel? I love, yeah. I love a good action film. But but even the little choices, you know, those can make for really compelling stories too. It's it can be all the little choices. Interesting. So, so the saint, yeah, the saints are watching us. So perform for them. Imagine you've got a little mini documentary crew following you around. Interesting, and hopefully in in our because as a as a filmmaker, we're always looking for conflict and drama because that creates the story, right? But mm-hmm. in my yes. in my life, maybe I shouldn't be looking for conflict and drama unless that conflict comes out of the fact that I'm turning towards God, because that could create well, conflict and, too, right? And quite often, that conflict is with God. It's it's do I want to turn towards yeah, Him or, or away from Him? Yeah. So you know, and, and and I mean, hey, Lent. This is kind of the perfect time. It's uh, you know, we sort of have a manufactured conflict. Of, of Lent, of are right. we going to turn away from worldly pleasures? Exactly. Interesting. Interesting. So maybe this can be an inspiration for people as they make choices every day. Um, yeah. Maybe not imagining a film crew following you around. That might make, make some people nervous. Maybe, maybe we could just have technology that monitors everyone. Oh, doesn't that place. exist already? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay, okay. A documentary about you. Okay, so some 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 good ideas there from Mark Matthews and some good uh, filmmaking coming out of Hollywood. Uh, if, if people want to support uh, the film, just just go on Netflix if you're if you use Netflix and you can watch uh, the three film. songs for Benazir. Wonderful. Okay, looking forward to watching that. Thank you for telling us about it and for your insights, your wonderful Lenten insights, Mark. Have a good Lent. And please pray for me. We will. I, I need the I need the grace for you need the for grace documentary for about your my documentary. Life. But you'll, exactly, yeah. there you go. Mark Matthews with what's good in Hollywood. He's our Hollywood undercover missionary. You can follow him at Hu Missionary. Coming up in our second half hour how to become a holy donor and Catholic philanthropist, and we reconnect with Marie Miller, so stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. You may have heard of some of their stories, Catherine Drexel, Babe Ruth, Danny Thomas, rich Catholics who used their wealth to support the church and church projects. The church would not be what she is had it not been for the generosity of these radical donors. And we may think that their lives have nothing to do with ours. We're not millionaires, but maybe we do have more in common with them than we think. Now there's a new podcast that not only tells their stories, but hopes to inspire you to embrace this kind of radical generosity. The Holy Donors Podcast is created by Petrus Development. And to tell us more, I'm now joined by Andrew Robison. He's the president of Petrus and one of the hosts of the Holy Donors Podcast. Andrew, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you very much, Deacon Pedro. It is a pleasure. I love talking about Holy Donors. I love your show. And it's just a, a wonderful opportunity to be part of this. Thank you so well, much. Well, it's good to have you here. So, so I, I gave a little bit of a, 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 I guess, description of what the show's about. But in your words, what what would you say the show is really about? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think your description was pretty spot on. We really want to highlight and showcase individuals throughout history that have used their generosity, used their wealth, used their their um, their service in service of the church and of society. And there's there's so many stories out there. You know, my my career is in fundraising. That's what I've been doing. I've worked for the church for close to 15 years. And so I meet, you know, radical donors all the time. But going back through history and looking at some of the stories of people like Catherine Drexel, Danny Thomas, Babe Ruth, who you mentioned, and being able to tell their stories about how their generosity changed the world. It's, it's been really exciting for me as, you know, one of the hosts of the shows and doing the research. Uh, and then the response that we've gotten from people has been really, really pr- pretty fantastic as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you about how how the idea for the show came together because I I mean I know a little bit about the work of Petra's development. I I I didn't know how much of the work involved actually helping fundraise, um, and maybe we can talk a little bit more about Petra's in a, in in a bit. But so so how did the idea for the show come about? Oh gosh, uh, that's a great question. So I love podcasting first of all, or I love listening to podcasts. I guess I should say yeah. So that's passion number one is is podcasting. Um, I love the church. Uh, I've been, you know, I grew up in the church. My dad was a deacon, uh, just like yourself. I tell people I grew up in the sacristy of the church. You know, I was an altar server. I was there for donuts every Sunday. Uh So I love the church. I've I've worked uh, in and around the church my whole professional career. And then I love fundraising. Uh, That's what I've done my whole career is, is raise money for great organizations, great causes. And so with the idea of and 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 then my fourth passion would be history. I'm a history major. Okay. I love I love reading books. I love you know hearing this. So some of my favorite podcasts are history podcasts. So you put all of that yeah, together, that makes sense. That all makes sense. And you got to you got to get this space where it's like, all right, how could we talk about all of these things together in a fun way? And that's where the idea for Holy Donors came from. That makes sense. Okay, so I mentioned three of them: Catherine Drexel, Saint Catherine Drexel, Babe Ruth, okay. uh, Danny Thomas. Who who else have you featured, or are you going to feature? Yeah, so those three are, are fantastic seasons. Danny Thomas, we started out season one, is really great. His story about building St. Jude Children's Research Hospital has is very much uh, sort of birthed out of his Catholic faith and his mm-hmm. commitment to generosity, the model of generosity his mother set for him when he was a little boy. Uh, season two was John Raskob, who you you may not have heard of John Raskob, but he built the Empire State Building. He was okay. the um, he was the campaign manager for Al Smith, the first Catholic presidential okay. candidate. Yes. yes. And then founded the Raskob Foundation, which funds you know millions of dollars in charity every year for Catholic organizations. Season three was Catherine Drexel, um, who I love telling her story. I knew going into it, I knew a little bit about Catherine Drexel. Yeah. You know, I knew she had this connection to schools and uh, this religious order. But hearing about, you know, her discernment process was really fantastic um, and, and how she really felt called to this work. Um, season four was George W. Strake, who uh, was a, an oil, oil man. They call him a wildcatter in Texas. Okay. Um, he found the Conroe oil fields, became one of the wealthiest Americans in the 1930s. And then he got a, a, a visit from an emissary of the Pope, um, Pope Pius Twelfth, And uh, George W. Strake ended up funding the archaeological project that discovered the bones of St. Peter underneath oh, the Vatican. Yes, that's right. That's um, right. <laughs> yeah, so uh, really fantastic. Season five, Babe Ruth, uh, you know, kind of a checkered history. We, we really debated about, you know, how do we tell the story of Babe Ruth and how do we true to his you know, his faith, but also, you know, the struggles and challenges he had in his life. Mm-hmm. And that season is airing right now. Really fantastic season. 
Um, and then I think upcoming, we've got uh, Molly Brown, the unsinkable Molly Brown. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've got, yeah, yeah, great story there. We've got Tim Scanlon, who uh, helped build, literally build the city of Houston. And then um, venerable Pierre Toussaint is coming up down the road. Really great story about yeah. uh, Pierre Toussaint growing up in slavery in Haiti, Wonderful. moving to New York securing yeah. his freedom so that yeah, is a, a good lot story. of really yeah. great people oh wow so and and for people who maybe are not too sure about podcasts uh it, it, how many episodes per season because you tell the you tell the whole, whole story throughout the season correct that's correct so each season so each character is one season and each season lasts four or five i think in the case of george Drake, we did six episodes so every week there's a new episode thursdays they post they're around 20 to 30 minutes in length and you can hear the whole story in four episodes and okay. uh, really be inspired by their generosity. Okay, great. So, so of all of those, is there one story that inspired you the most or one lesson that you learned as a fundraiser from, from, from learning their stories? Gosh, man, that's a great question. Um, I, I have a special place in my heart for two of them. I loved all of them, but two of them, Danny Thomas, yeah. who I knew very little about. I knew St. Jude's, but you know, the, the fact of the matter is that he was a literally a broke uh, wannabe entertainer with his first daughter on the way. He had seven dollars in his seven dollars and eighty five cents in his name. He went to church. He gave seven dollars in the collection, realized he had eighty five cents left and a, and a, his daughter was going to be born the next week. He gets a call the next day from Maytag about doing a special commercial for them. Pay seventy five dollars and covers the birth of his daughter. So, you know, that that really sort of planted in his mind this idea of when you are when you follow the call of of christ to be generous to help mm-hmm. those god will bless you and and so that was a really special one and then george w Strake, my dad used to work years and years ago for uh his son straight george Strake jr okay and the Strake foundation and so i grew up hearing stories about george w Strake. so to, to dive in and learn about his story and the apostle project and the search for the bones of saint peter that was I mean, unbelievable. It's really fantastic. Yeah, that is a fascinating story. Um, so for for people like me and maybe most of our listeners who are not cajillionaires, because I think that that's what, that's what we think about when we think about philanthrop- philanthropists, um, right. how can all of us become holy donors? Man, that's a great question, Deacon. Um, that example of, of Danny Thomas, yeah. like I said, he had $7.85 and he, he gives that money away to, to God. And um, it, actually backing up, he was inspired by his mother who prayed for her, her son, Danny's little brother, to be saved. And mm-hmm. if God would save him, she would beg alms for a year. And they were gypsies. I mean, they were very poor. And so that example of her inspired him to practice generosity. Ultimately, you know, they founded St. Jude's, which is amazing. And then George W. Strait, wow. you know, funded the, the Apostle Project. But when he was a little boy, he had a job with Western Union. He made $10 and he put two of it in the collection plate every Sunday. So it's not necessarily always about how much you're giving, but it's about how is your heart and are you at living in a place where you practice generosity? And the, the term that we love is radical generosity. Yes, are you yes. giving of yourself, your time, your talent and treasure in a way that you want to honor God through your gifts. Yeah, I love I love that that expression too, radical generosity. Um, Andrew, thank you, thank you for sharing that with us a little bit. Maybe we've inspired some of our listeners to 
be a little more radical in in their giving and and not just financially, but as you said, in their time and their, and their talent as well. Um, thank you for doing what you do. Um, and uh, let's stay in touch because uh, there's some good stuff that you guys are doing. All right. Great. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Deacon. It's been a pleasure. And uh, thanks for having me on the show. God bless you and your yeah, work. God, well. bless, God bless you too and, and, and your team. Andrew Robinson, he is the president of Petrus Development and one of the hosts of the Holy Donors podcast. You can learn more and listen to the podcast at holydonors.com. And if you missed any part of this conversation or to listen to the rest of the show, just head on to slmedia.org slash podcast. Here now is Marie Miller with Brave New Step from her album, Little Dreams. Paralyzing fear keeps me standing On the ground I know is no longer safe And I can feel the shake in this foundation Telling me that I just can't stay I can't stay here I don't have the answers I wish that I had At the end of these questions Is one brave new step I don't have tomorrow Just one more deep breath At the end of my sorrow Is one brave new step Step from her album, Little Dreams. 
Now, we last heard from Marie Miller in October 2019 when she had just released her last album, Little Dreams. Marie has been around for about 10 years now, and I know that I'm not alone in saying that we love her music, her blend of folk, country, pop, love the mandolin. Um, and as we know, the last two years have been difficult for a lot of artists, but Marie's been working on a new album, and so it's really good to have a chance to catch up. Marie, it's good to see you. Welcome back to the show. It's great to be here. So how are you? What, what, what were the last two years like? Yeah. So actually, I think when we uh, last hung out in 2019, October, I had released the singles, but the full album came out March 27th of 2020. Okay. Which, yes. And I do not have a marketing degree, but I can tell you that is not the best day to release <laughs> an album. No, uh, no. So yes. So we're coming up to about two years since the release of Little Dreams, and I've been able to actually release uh, several singles, uh, a couple originals and a couple covers that you're mm -hmm. going to hear. And, and uh, it's been uh, definitely a challenge. So I consider myself more of an entertainer than an artist. I love to be in front of people. I love to be traveling uh, mm -hmm. and being on stage. It's really a home for me yes and uh so i think for some artists they almost enjoyed uh, to some extent the the time to be artists and to be just sitting in their rooms and writing and and, mm -hmm. and being moody and musing and all these different things and i just don't have that personality i'm very sanguine i was around people i was gonna ask you about that because i mean i know that you i mean you you probably you have you have been maybe thinking about the album but you're just starting to write now you didn't take the two years to be as you said musing and be introspective and and writing um because like you do home show like you go into people's living rooms and do shows like that's what you like doing right Exactly. So I took a different approach and I actually toured a lot more than most people uh, in the sense that I did a lot of these at the beginning shows where we only played outside and we were 10 feet away from everybody. And it would sometimes just be a family um, that we I would perform for. And it, maybe I'd have my band. A lot of times it was just me or one other person. Wow. Um, so I did a lot of that. I did uh, quite a bit of the online shows at the beginning, um, but just continued as much as possible to to perform because that's just where my heart is. And, and really it's taken um, a lot more pushing for me to write under this circumstance, but God is good and has given me inspiration but it does not come as easily when i'm not moving interesting that's that's very different than most people i speak to so are are things back to normal for you now ish it's about 70 percent, i would say uh my catholic uh performances are pretty much back to normal um i also do a lot of uh, just regular theaters and uh festivals and things um those are now just coming up so so there's less less to do there's a um but but it's you know and even i've always every year for the last few years i've performed in in germany and i yeah. was in denmark so not doing those things too no. uh you know that takes a couple weeks out of your year that i would be doing uh so it's not 100 percent, but it's getting there wow well that's good and i think it's getting there for for most of us as things start reopening and we start traveling um so you just gave us a little bit of a, a, the secret to marie miller uh c compositions that you need to be out and about and and doing stuff and meeting people um 
So, so how did the process for this new album that you're just starting to write now, how did that process begin? Yes. Yeah, so it began um, through uh, being inspired by sacred poetry. So I had a little more time to read uh, and to, to study. Uh, and I fell into a, a, you know, kind of this interest in, in sacred poetry, the metaphysical poetry of like George Herbert, um, John Donne, all the way up mm. to T.S. Eliot. Uh, and there were some just moments in those poems that were breathtaking wow. so at first I thought well maybe I'll just set music to all these poems um, and then it evolved to more of a inspired by um, and so this is actually going to be my first strictly sacred music uh, and I don't say sacred music in the traditional church sense but sacred in the writing uh, in the lyrics I will be religious uh, you know before as you know it's been a mix like I'll have songs about friendships and re relationships and and then songs about our mm -hmm. Lord this is really strictly for him so I'm, I'm excited about that I, I, I always thought I mean it's interesting that you said that you you see yourself as a performer first I see you as a, as a musician first, not so much as a songwriter, not that you're not a good songwriter by all means, I don't mean that. But so do you usually start with lyrics or with words? Is that sort of where your inspiration comes from? Or, or is it sometimes the other way around that the music comes first? Mm. Like when you're reading these poems that you kind of hear the music in your head, how does that work for you? Yes, usually I see a line, um, you know, for instance, there's a, uh, a poem called um, uh, uh, Easter Wings by George Herbert. And he says uh, in it, the fall has furthered the flight in me. And I thought, wow, that's really beautiful. Is that, you know, um, when we ride on the wings of Easter, um, that our fall, uh, you know, has furthered our flight because uh, no matter how fall, far we fall, the Lord comes and he swoops us up and we ride on the, on the wings of Easter. So I go, oh, that's really cool. So I only just took that little part, even though it's a, you know, a big poem. And I, so I heard the music in my head just for that one line. Uh, right. How I did it this way. So then, as you said, so instead of setting, taking a whole poem and setting it to music, you've, you've been inspired by particular parts of the poems or maybe the whole idea of the poem. And then that concept becomes a song, correct? Exactly. And, and also works of literature. So there's a song okay. called Till We Have Faces, which is about C.S. Lewis's book, um, which is a le little less popular, uh, but a wonderful book called Till We Have Faces. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, just kind of uh, uh, stealing a little bit from these incredible <laughs> writers and, uh, and taking it and bringing it to maybe a generation that knows less about these things. So then, so, so, so that's where the the process begins with that inspiration, that line or that poem or that title. And then do you, do you work at it? Do you like, cause it's a craft, right? So you actually have to perfect it or do you take it to prayer? Like how does, how does that work for you? How, what is that part of the process like? Yeah. So I get, yeah, there's definitely a lot of tweaking in particular with this song. Um, I've also done a little bit of co-writing, which I will do a lot more of, but um Okay. Prayer wise, I don't, it's, it's a good idea to actually bring a <laughs> song to prayer. I more say, God, help me write well today or help me do. Right, that. right. Okay. No, that's yeah, fair. Things for me. But I should, I should, I should probably just say, Lord, what do you think about this song? I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering, I mean, you're probably, I mean, you're probably praying every day anyway. 
and 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 as as these thoughts kind of inspire you you can't help but bring those to prayer just because it's kind of what's moving you at the time like where you are at the, at that moment so i i think in that sense it it would work um do you so so you you've just started writing you and are envisioning a whole album do you have a sense of how many songs it's going to be are all the songs already have a place or you're just kind of thinking i hope that i'm going to have seven ten songs here uh, how do you plan for an album yeah so i want to have just the best songs possible so it may be just a seven song um album i'm not sure um what i would like to do is have a uh a book that's accompanied by it oh i um, love that because, yeah because the, these songs are a lot there there's a lot going on and uh i like to blog and i like to write and i've written for different books and i, I just really enjoy that and i thought this is the right album to have a book that's accompanied by it and, or that can stand on its own. Like, I don't want it to be, you have to have heard the music right. to understand the book, but I think that it's going to be so stories um, of my life and of different uh, uh, situations that uh, will be related uh, to, to these songs. Yeah, that's a great idea. I look forward to that actually. I, I, uh, cause I, I, I appreciate the, the coming together of, of word the word. I mean, music is, of course, music does what music does best, but there's something about the word too, that has power on its own. Um, I really look forward to this album, Marie, and, and I hope that we can do what we did last time and, and sneak some tracks on this show before you release it. Um, and I'm, and I'm kind of glad that we're getting a chance to play some more songs from little dreams, because as you said, you've released it in the middle of a pandemic. So maybe we need to get more people. Um, <laughs> Um, listening to those tracks so it's so good to to connect with you and, and catch up and i'm glad you're doing well and uh, i really look forward to this music that's coming down awesome you can learn more about marie miller and purchase her music at her website mariemillermusic.com if you missed any part of our conversation or you want to listen to it again just head on over to our website slmedia.org podcast and here now to take us out is Marie Miller with Wayfaring Stranger from her album, Little Dreams. I am a poor wayfaring stranger Journeying through this world of woe But there's no sickness, no toil
listening to Marie Miller with Wayfaring Stranger from her album Little Dreams, and that will take us to the end of the program today. Remember that if you missed any part of the program, you can find our show at slmedia.org slash podcast. You can also get the Salt and Light Hour wherever you get your podcasts. In the next couple weeks, we'll be reconnecting with Nick and Nikki Garza, Mike Boucher, and we'll also be introducing a short series, Listening to Indigenous Voices, as the Canadian Catholic Church works towards healing and reconciliation. So I hope that you can tune in for all our episodes in the next weeks. I pray that you stay safe, pray for each other, and take care of each other, and keep praying for peace in Ukraine. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. and steep but beautiful fields lie just before me as God's redeemed they're the jewels keep I'm going there